Now let's talk about tactics. Scare tactics. With the element of illusion becoming as real to us as our religion. I mean, when Siegfried and Roy become as real as St. Peter and Paul, can you dig what I'm saying? Dig what I'm saying. With that being said, we gotta know that a tactic is planned out. The enemy had to plan that thing out in order to stifle you and take you off your game. But a lot of times, we can be our own enemy. Great day one and all, this is none other than your brother, XL Wilbur, reporting to you live from your side. If you decide not to oblige, well, that means you choose to blues. You probably somewhere seeing red with your hands on your head instead. And with that being said, I'd like to welcome you all to something I like to call Scare Tactics. This is the self-help podcast that lets you know that the life you long for, the goals you long for, the experiences you long for are in shorter distance than you could ever imagine. And as I said, I'm none other than your brother, XL Wilbur. Thank you for joining me again this week. And this week, we're going to talk about something as we continue our ABCs of Fear series with the letter E, Education. And before I confuse you any further, when I look at the title and says how to overcome the fear of education, I want to tell you that I'm speaking on the fear of not meeting up to education requirements. So when you talk about that, you have to look at the biggest place that's shown in, and that's the job market, looking for jobs. A lot of us fear going to the next level because we feel like we don't qualify intellectually. But I'm going to show you where education stretches out on all platforms and each and every one of us are going to be able to excel in this one, man. So just stick with me. You are the X Factors. Thank you for joining me. And in this corner, we have the pros, knowledge, leverage, and the heavyweight champion of the world, Big Picture Perspective. And their opponents, the cons, arrogance, sense of entitlement, and the lack of empathy. Now, before we introduce our third team, I want to give you a little background as to why there are three teams this week as opposed to two. Now, some of y'all may have been confused as how I found a con to education. Have you ever heard the saying, too smart for your own good? Yeah, I rest my case. So with that being said, the third team, this whole situation where three teams came about came from my favorite type of pro wrestling match from WCW called the War Games. And two rings, one cage around the ring, Two teams, four to five people each. One person from each team comes in at the beginning. Every few minutes, one more person from an additional team comes in, gives them the advantage, then the next person comes in, it's two on two, and everybody comes in in those increments until every single component of that is in the ring. Every person that's in that match is in the ring. That's when the match actually starts. There cannot be a winner until every participant is in the ring. And one time in history, they did three teams of three people each. And I felt like education was that because you can look at the pros and cons of education by itself, but we have to tackle exactly what I want us to overcome in this one. Is that that feeling of not measuring up to educational requirements. So this team introducing the third team, the cuts, the spread of inadequacy. So if you feel inadequate under that job description, it can definitely affect how you feel not up to par with everything else in your life. And his teammates, the returning tag team of anxiety and depression. And while there is no exact phobia for education, there is one for school, surprisingly, and it's pronounced scalianophobia. Possible causes of this phobia are thoughts of school shootings, traumatic events, such as bullying, that we've already covered in a previous episode, 
Or it can be hereditary or genetics. It could just be in your people's DNA. It can have a timestamp on it to be in that type of place where you have an OCD or phobia of some sort. And it's just in you to have it. And it's more developed if you go through one of these situations or the thought pattern that puts you in a place to fear schools, like physical schools or being close to schools or even thoughts of schools or school materials even trigger some people that have this phobia. And they consider it a mental illness. And then you consider the fact that one of the probable causes of this scalianophobia is the fact that they have a fear of leaving parents or the security of the home. Now, even though scalianophobia is not what we're looking to tackle directly because it's talking about physical schools, we're talking about the fear of not meeting education level. Still, this one factor right here can play into why a lot of us don't move forward in our own life. The fear of leaving the security of home. One time I thought that way, either subconsciously or consciously, some of us think that way. But one time I made that slip up, and the next time I had an opportunity, I was gone, man. You can love me from a distance, but me and my people, it's me and my house. <laughs> it's going to be in another zip code, dig what I'm saying? So yeah, with that being said, we have to look at what it is that's really scaring us when we go apply for these jobs, what's really hindering us in the job market. And that's the fact that we look at these education and degree requirements on these applications we apply for, and we know we don't have it. We ain't talking about the people that's got it and still can't get it. We're talking about the people who don't have it. We're going to talk to y'all because, yeah, I know it's real. And I've been blessed to be in a field where I'm successful without having a degree. So not to downplay the whole college institution type of thing, because I've been to three institutions in my lifetime. I mean, the university, the community college, to the seminary. I all had different majors that I took up. And the thing about it is I learned in my college experience is that every profession doesn't require a college degree. And if you disagree with me, I need you to go and think about the last time you went on YouTube to find out how to do something with your hands. And that person had about 100, 200 videos of showing you how to work every piece of equipment for the same thing that you were coming to find out how to do. You can build up something for yourself, even based off of what you can do with your hands. And I say that to say this. I got cousins, little cousins with F's on their report cards in the eyes of the law. And so they know what that means. Felonies takes them down a notch in a job market search so when it comes down to that you got high schoolers coming out of high school with kids and they babies can't wait for no two to four year degree to put food on the plate so when it comes down to that you have to realize there are situations like that i don't downplay college but at the same time there are other life situations happening where we need to educate these kids in a different format and let's not forget as i dust off my honorary english degree that the origin of the word education means to train so you got to think of it like that. It's not always about driving something into the mind. It's about training with the body too, training with the hands. Trades are not a bad thing as I used to think when I was younger because everybody around me was pressing college. So as I grew up to come into my own and have my own ideas and thoughts, I saw that for myself. And I was just so surprised when my cousin, when he told me that one of the cousins with the felons, he was telling me that, yeah, I don't mind that. I'll invite that information when I told him I can get you um, some information on some trades or something like that because I know your situation rough. And I know how they're going to look at you when you go into them job interviews and they see that on that piece of paper. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about is most times experience will trump education. So more and more jobs as we see today are accepting certifications over degrees. It's happening. I'm telling you. And then you look at the fact that there are a lot of federal jobs that will allow you to sub out education for experience. So even if you don't have the degree, you have the experience, you may be more considered. So you got to look at it like this. You got one person with a degree and one year experience as opposed to somebody who's had experience in this job factor for 10 years. 
You, I, I don't know how you might do it, but me as the HR, I come in and see how much that paper, how much that homework got you from that, and how much it helped you flourish in that one year of experience, as opposed to this guy of the ten years. I want to see how, or lady of ten years, I want to see how that applicant measured up in the things that we were looking for as far as being the best fit. That's just me being fair about the situation, but you have to look at that apples and oranges thing. 10 years experience and no degree, as opposed to one year experience and a degree. Four of them five years you're talking about as far as experience goes, we're spending a classroom learning things that didn't necessarily pertain to that job description. So it's actually happening, and that's why they put it there for that reason, I believe. And education is also defined as enlightening experience so it's there in the definition experience is a part of education so experience can't cannot be counted out when education is in the conversation it's just true and then we move on along to the part where we talk about learning styles and i say we're going to learn about learning styles a little bit because i feel like this is maybe the root problem why we may not feel like we're educated enough because of the education system now, Jaden Smith said one time, the school system is seriously just a system. And I didn't understand what he was saying at the time until I looked at the definition. And the definition of education is, by the English language standards, the process of receiving or giving systematic instruction, especially at a school or a university. But like I said, it also means enlightening experience. So either way, we can go with that logic of what education actually is and talk about these learning styles as to helping us all out. So check me out. Three main learning styles that we know of is audio, visual, and kinesthetic. So audio, self-explanatory. Some people learn better by hearing or having the information presented to them verbally. Some people prefer visual. They need to see it. They need to see it demonstrated in front of them. Kinesthetic means hands-on. Let me do it too. Let me learn by putting my hands on it. And I feel like I'm not talking to us as teachers. I'm talking to us as parents that may have to, and people who are in our own right trying to own our skills and having to learn our own learning styles and, and trying to figure out why we're not at the level we want to be at because we don't understand our learning style or understand the learning style of our kids. We can prep the future for this if we just listen to what it is and try to figure out what it is that helps our kids learn the best. Which style is our kids' style so where they don't struggle and meet these same roadblocks when it gets to their time to enter the job market or build businesses or be in positions to further themselves. So if we look at the country that we're in right now, the United States where I'm recording this from, you have to look at it for the number of universities. We are the second highest in the world. Yet we're the 10th in the number of students that attain a degree from these universities. So when you look at those numbers, you have to understand why I say it's important that we understand the learning styles of the students we send out there into the job force. And if we look at our own skills and how we learn, we may be better off not trying to get those jobs that have us sitting at a desk doing paperwork and be out there doing something with our hands that we love and we can be way more successful way faster in and make a real career out of it or build a business out of it on our own. And I feel that sense of adequacy and how we bring in an income will definitely spill over into other parts of our lives because you got to think, if you're confident in how you bring in an income and you sustain or maintain the livelihood and well-being of yourself and those you care about, Anything else that comes against you, it may be a little bump in the road, but it won't knock you off your pivot as if you didn't have any financial stability. You just got to think of it that way. So when we look at the 
understanding of learning styles as being one of the contributors to how we look at the education requirements in the job market, we had to look at the fact that the U.S. is not even top 10 in high school graduation rates, according to the OECD. So I don't want, I'm not looking to beat up on our school system. I'm a product of it. How does that look? That's hypocritical. But when I got this information and started to realize that other people didn't learn like I did, and there were reasons why a lot of us were probably in the positions that we're in, it only behooves us to look at the fact that Diogenes had it right when he says, the foundation of every state is the education of its youth. So the future is what we have to focus on. Right now we're going through our thing, and if we learn ourselves a little better, this learning style logic can play in our very own lives. If we know the root of it, if we know why it is we don't fit certain things and why certain jobs aren't for us, the jobs may not be out there, different factors play. But at the same time, if we know how we can tackle that and we come up with solutions here on this show and turn it into things that we can do for ourselves, then definitely we're going to learn the fact that Maimonides said, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And you got to look back at the etymology of education. It comes from a word also that means to bring up and to lead forth. So the earliest roots of education didn't necessarily relate to the mind. It related more so to nurturing all around. And it only became solely about the mind in the 1500s. So prior to that, it was all about well-being. The word the education or where it rooted from was all about well-being or being led, that type of stuff. It wasn't all about what you know. It was about how you're brought up, who you are, what your environment is like. So all those things play into the factor from the very root of the word education. And I want you to understand that there is a lady. She's a lady now by the name of Malala Yousafzai, and she is a Nobel Peace Prize winner for her activism in the interest of education. You got to think about it. Here's the thing. Her story blew me away because she was a preteen. I don't think she was a teenager yet. She was a preteen in Pakistan, and they were telling girls, y'all can't go to school. Y'all can't get an education. She was like, man, say what? And she started speaking out, first anonymously, but then she, her identity became known and they still went hard on it. She was like, I still want girls to be able to do this. We deserve to have an education too and you're not going to stop me from doing this. This is the Taliban she's talking to. This is a little girl talking to the Taliban. You got to feel me on this. So she did all that. Taliban got fed up. Hey, which one of y'all is her? Ran up on the school bus. Bow. Hit her in the head. Bow. Straight bullet. She survived. And guess what? Still spoke out. Now that's some gangster. I tell you, that's gangster right there. You talking about the Taliban came on your school bus, you a little girl, and then popped you in the side of your head, and you still get up there and speak about it worldwide. She ain't just do it in her city. She did it worldwide. She got worldwide coverage when she talked about how unfair it was and how kids need education all over, both genders. And she was just talking. She was just spilling it. So what's your excuse for not getting the education if she went through all that to become the youngest Nobel Peace Prize winner in history on speaking out? for her, her, right, her right to have education. And you feel like you ain't got what it take? Sidney J. Harris put it right. The whole purpose of education is to turn those mirrors into windows. And that just goes to say that your self-image isn't all there is to it. What you see of yourself is just what you see of yourself right now. Turn that mirror into a window. You can be happy with what you see, but a lot of us, we're not happy with what we see because we don't feel like we measure up. That's the reason we're having this show right here, right now. That's the reason this whole show exists is so that we can deal with the fears. And that quote right there just lets you know, it never said what was on the other side of that window. It just said that there was a window. On a window, you can see out. You don't stop with what you see in the mirror. 
you are willing to expand because you see what's out there. You see that world. Make that world. Conquer that world. Turn that self-image, whatever it is, into a window of endless possibilities. And then go out there and get it. Now, as we approach the quote section of today's show, I want to speak to each team, pro, con, and cut. And I'm going to have a quote that I aim at each one of those as I speak to them. Leverage from the pro team. This quote comes from Herbert Spencer, and it says, The great aim of education is not knowledge, but action. And it only prompts the question, what are you going to do with what you learn? And I have a saying that I tell myself, I pray with my hands, so sitting on them is disrespectful. And you can have that one for free. That's you. As I look at arrogance from the con team, a quote that comes to mind is, data is not information. Information is not knowledge. Knowledge is not understanding, and understanding is not wisdom. And that comes from Clifford Stowe. So that means, to me, all the book sense in the world and not know how to use it is detrimental. What good is that? How many of us know somebody got all book sense, no common sense, as they say? I've met many. I've been too close to some of them in my lifetime. But at the same time, that's exactly what they're saying. All that book sense doesn't help you if you don't have any understanding or wisdom on how to use it. And then we're going to address the cut team and inadequacy. And it's a quote by Leo Buscagilia. And he says, change is the end result of all true learning. Change is the end result. Changing that image, changing the narrative, truly turning that mirror into the window, as the earlier quote told us, is the end result of all true learning. So no matter what that piece of paper may tell you, no matter what that certificate may tell you, no matter what that job description may tell you, guess what? Long as you are able to say that you experience the change, you have that experience on your side, you have the knowledge and wisdom to know how to use it, that change of you, that change of your image, the change of how you see yourself and present yourself to the world, that is the end result of true learning. Now we're going to go to the practical exercises and up high to the muse.com. It was an article by Sarah McCord where she talks about how to apply for a job you don't meet the requirements for. Ask yourself, there's a self-conversation we'd be talking about. Can you actually do this job? Now, sometimes we may be desperate when we're looking at these job descriptions and say, I, I probably could do that. No, ask yourself, can you do this job? Is this job something that you could actually do and see yourself doing for a certain amount of time, depending on what your objective is? Second, assess the core requirements first. Fear not those bonus ones. So yeah, when you look at the core requirements that job is looking for, do you fit that? Don't look at the other ones just yet. Do you fit what the job requires? Can you do those things? Are you able to prove you can do those things in word? Those are the things because it takes us right to the next one. Use magic words. Most employers use keyword searches. If you, if you know how they do in the hiring realm, HR realm, whoever does the hiring, they use keywords because they got hundreds of other applications to go through. Even more, if it's on a nationwide level of people that fit that same criteria that you do, that want to do the same job that you do, applying for that same job that you did, and they got to go through all of them in uh, an eight-hour shift, possibly? Yeah, they're not going to sit there and read through all your stuff. Keywords, magic words, use those. Practical exercise, you got it right here for a job you feel like you may apply for, but don't fit the qualification. 
There you go. That was three steps right there. And I got a little more for you just to add some sprinkles on top of it. Up high to one of my soldiers, man, he gave me this phrase at one point in time, and it stuck with me ever since. He was doing something for himself, creating something for himself to get an award, and he said, quantifiable data. Use numbers to show how you added value. If you're able to do that, then do that. If you don't remember exact numbers of the people in the room, say several. Use those words. But if you can use quantifiable data, say the percentages that you, your company went up just because you were in the building. It's true. You ain't lying. Maybe you ain't the person that necessarily made it happen, but you were part of the workforce that made it happen. Now, if you were in a completely different department, don't do that. That's going to come back to bite you. But if you were part of that workforce that made that percentage go up and you can get those numbers and you could be proven to show you that, hey, I added value because I have numbers to prove it. That will make you look a lot better on that piece of paper. So if they give you that extra look is the thing. So send you above your peers. Then the next thing I say is diligently. If your education route, if what your profession is requires education, diligently seek for those grants, scholarships, and affordable programs. They're out there. Those affordable programs in your desired profession may not take up to two years. They may get you out a little bit faster. But if you have a route that takes you two to four years to get to, they have grants and scholarships if money is the problem for you. You just have to be willing to diligently seek for those things. They're giving money away. That's a big market. They're giving money away. I have never seen them stop giving away grants and scholarships on a wide scale. It's always maybe one or two Something here or there, but there's never been a wide scale. There's always going to be somebody else out there willing to give money away to write that off on their taxes to get somebody to go to school and let that person be you. Why not? Don't be lazy about the situation. Get out there and find it and get what you're looking for. If education is your route, those are ways to do it. Practical exercises. And to think during this pandemic, I came across a, a list of classes or a site where Harvard was giving away free classes, like they were offering free classes at Harvard, that prestigious university institution, they were giving out free classes during the pandemic because they knew people didn't have a way to get to class and do things like that. So they still wanted you educated. And I think about my brother Ike one time up high. He's the one who made the theme song for Scare Tactics. He's the one, DJ Nigma, And he told me one time that they have scholarships for people with extra long hair or extra long fingernails and abnormal stuff like that. So I'm looking at it like this. I wouldn't expect you to have to go do that to get a scholarship. But a lot of y'all do it for the fellowship. Y'all do it for the gram. If you do it for a fellowship, why not do it for a scholarship? You dig what I'm saying? <laughs> and you got it from here. Right here first. If you do it for a fellowship, do it for a scholarship. I'd rather you do it for something than do it for nothing. So with that being said, I thank you guys for joining me this week. It has been such a pleasure going down this road with you. And I pray that it gave you some tools to put in your rucksack, get yourself set, to, set up for success, get, be able to go out there in that job market, go out and be able to create that business and find out what it is. How can you educate yourself to set yourself apart from your peers and send you to your next level? I pray you join me again next week because next week going to be a good one. I'm talking about FOMO, the letter F. As we continue this ABC's The Fear series, I am none other than your brother XL Wilbur. Go spook the boo. Blessings and ammunition. Bye! You have just listened to Scare Tactics, the podcast, hosted by XL Wilbur, recorded and produced in Wilbur Dome, North Carolina. The theme music is Exotic Notion, produced by DJ Nigma. XL Wilbur can be followed on Facebook and Instagram under XL Inspirations and the XL Wilbur YouTube channel. Website is soon to come, 
Thank you guys for your continued support and your continued push for greatness. Blessings and ammunition. Black. But we gotta know this an illusion. Sometimes we look too deep into things that ain't even there. And the enemy wouldn't have taken that time to put that plan together if they weren't scared of you. <laughs>